It's time for the What in the Podcast. For tonight's episode, we wanted to do something a little special for our season two finale. What we have tonight is sort of a miniature UFO form with our guests, John Yost and Carmel Wild. Tracy will not be joining us tonight, unfortunately. Well, she did for a little bit, didn't she? Yeah, she, she jumped in for a little bit in the interview, but... But her allergies are really bad today. Yes. She can barely talk. Yes. Or, but, or breathe, for that matter. Mm-hmm. But anyway, this is how we're going to finish out our season. Welcome to episode 92 of What, what in the, the Podcast. Welcome to the What in the Podcast with your hosts, Kent Whittington and Adriana Mito and Tracy Lynn Hernandez. Hello and welcome to the season finale of What in the Podcast. Season two finale. Season two finale. We're wrapping up for this season, getting ready to start the next one. Hi, everybody. You Hello. know me, Kent Whittington, and my co-host, Adriana Comito. Uh our other co-host, Tracy Lynn, is uh, Tracy Lynn Hernandez. Sorry, is uh, allergy attacked. Yeah, definitely allergy attacked. She uh, had an impromptu birthday outing with her family, and it just got pretty bad for her. She got an allergy attack, and now she's at home convalescing. She quote her. She sounds like a ninety-year-old woman who smokes more than a pack a day. <laughs> this that's was more than a quote. That's pretty accurate that's at the ex- moment. What yeah. she says. Yeah, that's what, exactly <laughs> what she said. The supporter. And she sounds pretty raspy, and, and I don't think the teen honey is helping. Yeah. But. So we didn't quite get the UFO forum that we're doing tonight. We didn't quite get well, we the were forum that we for. were hoping for. but We'll try again, and we'll keep trying until it happens. Actually, we had some pretty good interviews. It interview. was good. It no, was no, really no, good no, interview, no, 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 actually. But, but we'll keep trying until we get mm-hmm. it all together. Yeah. <laughs> Aaron, Aaron Montgomery, unfortunately, couldn't make it. Sadly. Um, so, but, you know, we wish her well, of course, and we hope, hope to catch her on better. again in the future. Hope she's feeling better. A lot, a lot of people coming up with, with, or coming down with stuff, I should say. Not coming up with stuff. That's like, that's I like, had that's a like they're faking flu it. bug that was almost worse than COVID. Mm-hmm. But you're over that now. Yeah, and I had two bouts mm-hmm. of COVID in January, so. Yep. So Tracy was out. Aaron was out. However, John Yost and Karma Wild were able to join us. And Yay, Karma! Yay, John! Karma's good karma. <laughs> Karma's always fun. Yes. I love her to pieces. Yes, she is. Sorry. But they were they were good enough to come on. Unfortunately, I couldn't gather anyone else. Um, try though he might. Try though I might. I've been trying for weeks actually. Just couldn't either couldn't get any interest or the people who I did talk to who were interested didn't wind up committing. That being said, we got ourselves a pretty good show tonight, just the same. Oh, yeah. I, I hope everybody enjoys it. I was very quiet. I want to state this right now, that I was I was very quiet throughout of all of it. Um, doesn't mean I wasn't here. I just wanted to listen. I didn't want to interrupt. You are a listener. This is true. This time I became a listener. I, I find what the, everything I said fascinating. I paid attention. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting here, and it may not look like I'm, I'm paying attention. I heard everything. Yep. 
I heard it all. Okay. <laughs> I think I think that people know that you heard it <laughs> at this I'm point. I'm just kidding. I'm being weird. So anyway, without further ado, let's just go ahead and get into the interview with John and Karma in our mini UFO forum. Okay, so this is our, our first ever UFO forum. Um, tonight we've got with us uh, our good friend Karma Wild, friend of the podcast. How you doing, Karma? Hello. And Hi, everybody. I, and, uh, of course, we also have John Yost, who has been a previous guest on our show. Uh, he has recently uh, produced a film called Alien Abduction Answers. Um, and he's come on tonight to talk with us about his experience and everything. Um, Karma, you have some experience as well. We're going to talk about that as, in, as, you know, also. Um, let's just uh, go ahead and get started. Why don't we start, Karma, by, by you talking about yourself a little bit and then talk about your experience. Uh, okay. I am Karma Wild. I run 11 groups on Facebook. I'm also recently joined BB3 TV. I am the paranormal tourist. And by that, I mean, there's only tour guides and tourists in the paranormal. I am not a guide. I just stumble around in the dark and just do my tourist thing. Mm -hmm. I go to places that are off the beaten track and I take pictures and videos and literally just try to soak up some of the culture. Okay. Awesome. And John, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, yes, I, um, <laughs> I wasn't always in the film business. I used to work for the, uh, under the jurisprudence of the Treasury Department. Um, after university, I went to uh, work um, for international logistics companies and ended up becoming a U.S. customs broker and uh, traveled the world with that business and uh, negotiated material and money across country borders. Um, about after 10 years of that, uh, the business just lost its flavor mm -hmm. for me. Um, my heart just wasn't in it. And uh, I decided to get involved in show business, which really was a, an interesting change of life. And a lot of people had a lot of things to say about that particular change in life, as you can imagine. My mother-in-law was one of them. God rest her soul. Uh, but, so I, I've been... In the, in the business for about 20, 25 years, this sort of thing. And I do television shows and films and commercials and, you know, everything you see on your television. And we work for some of the biggest companies in the world, you know, Sony Pictures, uh, Warner Brothers, this sort of thing. And uh, we've always been kind of guns for hire, meaning that a very large company would come in and say, listen, you know, we want to do all of this, but we need these particular services done, right? We might need a unit to go out and shoot this or we might need uh, certain editing on this. And so we would provide those services. So if you think about, if you think about, you know, building a car, we'd be the guys who turn wrenches, if you understand me. Right. And um, then a couple of years ago, uh, about, about four years ago, we decided to start our own creative uh, outlet, which is Rhino Pictures. Mm -hmm. uh, that's R-Y-N-O Pictures. So we would create our own content. And we've done stuff for like Food Network, History Channel, that sort of thing. Um, 
and uh, accidentally, and, and you know this uh, really wasn't supposed to happen, uh, we got involved in the paranormal because of my previous experiences as a child. And then something really fantastic happened out in the desert, which shook me to my core, which brought me to this point. And we created a film called um, Alien Abduction Answers. So it's a long story. Sorry. That's okay. No, that's <laughs> we got time. No problem. <laughs> no time constraints today. So we're all good. So, um, so I'll just get into it. Um, so how old were the two of you? when you had your first abduction experience that you can recall? Either one of Thank you. Um, mine happened 27 years ago. It was my one and only experience, but it was profound uh, to the point that I actually went to a psychiatrist who specialized in regressive hypnosis to figure out what had happened. I knew something had happened, but I didn't know what had happened. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and what did you find out through the progression? Uh, he introduced me to the theater and okay, through yeah, that, familiar with the theater. Talk about, um, through that we experienced what had happened that night and I'll let him go next. Okay. We'll, we'll get into mine. Later. All right. How about you, John? How old were you when it happened? But she said it, it happened to her 27 years ago, so she was five. Exactly. Oh, you are too much of a charmer, you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, it was 1974. Okay. And uh, I was seven years old. And I, uh, it was a hot night. We didn't have air conditioning in the home. And uh, I was awakened very early in the morning, like two or three in the morning, that sort of thing, by this undulating kind of drone like this. I'll, I'll embarrass myself and imitate it. Like okay. And just, it just repeated yeah. like that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it, it bugged me. And my windows were open. Like I said, it was a hot night. And uh, I didn't know where it was coming from, but it bothered me. And, and so I sat up in my bed and I looked around and, and I decided to go to the bathroom. Right? Okay. Mm -hmm. So I go in there, I do my thing, and, you know, I have a glass of water. And uh, I let the water run for a really long time. And then after that, I turned off the water and I opened the door to the bathroom to go outside into the hallway. Mm -hmm. And there in the doorway, to my eyes, was. Um, a character I'd seen on television many, many times as a little boy, a character from Japanese television called Ultraman. Right. And uh, in the shows, Ultraman was this giant silver guy, some red in his suit, and he was, uh, he, he fought the bad guys. And, um, but this Ultraman was my size. You know, I'm a seven-year-old boy. I was a normal-sized kid, and, and uh, he was looking at me eye to eye. And I thought, wow, that's interesting. And I wasn't afraid. And so we got very, very close. And when I say close, I mean nose to nose. And then something happened. Um, in these huge eyes. Mm -hmm. And I felt 
I felt as though the, the floor was slipping up from underneath me. And the way I've described this in some interviews is this, is that I don't know if you've ever been into a, uh, an in-ground pool where it drops off into some very deep water. So, you, you know, you get to this place in the, in the pool where you're right about here with the water. You're fine. Right, right. But one more step and you'd slip right underneath. Every was, pool I've ever been like in. that. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Yep, yep. It felt like that. And uh, I became afraid. And I kind of realized telling the story that, uh, you know, I started to fight. And, 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 and I think it was different than fighting, like different than, you know, I'm going to beat the crap out of you. I think what it was is, you know, when you feel like you're drowning, you flail, mm -hmm. you know, you flail your arms. I think that's really what it was. And I was flailing and I was making contact with this entity, this thing in front of me. It was solid. And um, just then there was this tremendous flash of light. And um, then there was this kaleidoscope of colors around me. And it was like red, blue, green, you know, all this other stuff. And it felt like at that point, like I was moving, but I couldn't tell, you know. And I'm still in the middle of this flailing. And um, and so when I kind of come to my senses, I'm, I'm standing there in the middle of this fight, right? I'm in flailing. I'm still in the middle of this fight. But what's happened is our positions have changed. The Ultraman guy... His back was to the bathroom, and my back was to the hallway. And um, and I'm in the middle of fighting with this guy, and he reaches out with his right hand, and he touches me here on my shoulder. And there is a tremendous flash of light, and uh, I can feel it impact my body almost like a wave. If you've ever been to the ocean, you get hit by a wave mm -hmm. right in your chest. It felt just like that. And I fell and behind me were these hardwood stairs. Mm. So I fall down these damn stairs and uh, I fell really hard and I'm screaming at the top of my lungs. Uh, you know, I'm a little boy and I'm hurt. And, and so my parents who had a first floor bedroom, they come out. My dad was a big guy. He had, you know, working in the mills and this sort of thing. And he had just come home, you know, a couple of hours ago. So he was half asleep and angry that he had been awakened. And I'm screaming at the top of my lungs that there's somebody upstairs, Ultraman's upstairs. My dad, of course, hears, you know, intruder, right? So he bounds up the stairs and he's, you know, opening doors and stuff. And then he comes to the top of the stairs and he looks really pissed off. Is there's nothing up there. So, you know, I'm at the bottom of the stairs and I'm crying. My mother is, you know, just comforting me. They take me upstairs and they do what parents do. You know, they, you know, hey, look, look in the closet. There's nothing there, right? Mm -hmm. Look under the bed. There's nothing, that sort of thing. And they lay me down and, okay. After a while, I calm down and I fall asleep. Mm -hmm. Well, the next day, Remember, this is August, so it's summer break, no school, right? So back in 1974, I don't know what kids do today, but, you know, when it was light, you went out, yeah. right? You're playing, you're chasing things, you're going through the woods, you're doing whatever. And that's what I was. I was a normal kid. Right, and I was out right. there playing with my friends all day long. And, you know, your mom would call you in for supper. It was starting to get dark. Kevin. And um, 
when I came in, she said, wow, you are disgusting. Because <laughs> you know, I haven't outside sweating all day. Right? right, right. And she said, she said, listen, before we have dinner, we gotta, we gotta bathe you. And I, you know, I'm a little boy, and I'm a seven-year-old kid. I don't want to take a bath. Boo, you know. Whatever. Right, right. She's wrestling with me, and she takes off my shirt, and she starts to check me, and she sees all the bruises, you know, from the fall. And then she gets to my shoulder, and she says, "Honey, what happened here?" And, you know, I look around kind of sheepishly and I say to her, you know, Mom, I told you, you know, Ultraman. And she looked really sad. And uh, she gave me a little kiss on the forehead. And she said, it'll be all right, honey. It'll be all right. Mm-hmm. So get the bath, dinner, whatever. A couple of days later, my dad is taking me to the doctor. And uh, he was kind of a gruff guy, you know. And uh, we were pulling into the parking lot of the doctor. And he says, he looks back at me. He says, now listen, we'll get in there. I don't hear any shit about Ultraman. Keep that stuff to yourself. Shut your mouth about that. You know, and like like I say, you know, in 1974, you didn't tell your father to go screw himself. You think you do what your dad said. So I said, yeah, dad, sure, sure. So we get in there, and the doctor's looking at me, you know, he's checking all my bruises, and, and by now they're starting to yellow, you know, it's a couple of days later. And he gets to my shoulder, and he says, whoa, sport. I said, what's going on here? And I said, you know, well, and I could see my dad in the corner of the room. And for people of our generation, let me just say this, he was giving me the eye. Right. And you didn't want to mess with your dad when he gave you the eye. Right. Exactly. So he's like, you know, you, you think you hurt now, right? <laughs> uh, what's that old saying? You know, I'll give you something to cry about that sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, so I just uh, looked at him and I just, said, I, well, I don't know, I, I fell when I got, you know, playing or whatever. And so he gave me a lollipop and sent me on my way, whatever. And as we're driving home, my dad's we're pulling into the driveway at my parents' home. And he looks back at me and he says, now listen, I never want to hear anything about this Ultraman thing again. I want you to shut your damn mouth. I don't want you to scare your mother. I don't want you to scare your sisters. You shut up about this. And I never want to hear about it. And like I said, you know, I love my dad. Of course, yes. Okay, okay, dad. Sure, sure. And so from that moment on in my life, a seven-year-old boy, I lied about it my entire life. And people say to me, you know, I, I get some guff. People say, well, okay, sure, you know, you're a kid, you lie about it, whatever. You know, became, you became a teenager, you became a man, you know, what, what, why didn't you start talking about it? Well, two things, two things. First of all, you know, I, that thing was so entrenched in me that I would make up things easy. And it became just incredibly easy just to come up. You know, I, I played a lot of sports when I was in high school and college. You know, you take off your shirt, you're going to go play basketball. Whoa, yos, what the hell happened to your shoulder? I got bit by a bear. And then people would laugh and you'd just go off. You know, I got hit by lightning. I got shot. I went, whatever. Anything would have been better than to say, well, you know. You know, I mean, I didn't want to say that. That would have ruined everything, I think. So it became easy to lie. And then, you know, I, I, I see this young lady here with us with those sunglasses or those glasses, right? You know, this morning, you didn't say to yourself, 
well, you know, I really want to see well today. So I think I will take these glasses and I will put them on my face to properly see. He never said that. You were like, oh, well, you just put them on your face and you went about your business, right? That's the way it was. It just became ingrained in my personality that I didn't think about it. You know, it wasn't important to me. It wasn't a thing. And, um, and so I lied about it my entire life. And so I take you to present day about three years ago, three and a half years ago, like I told you guys, you know, we're guns for hire, right? Big companies come in and they hire us and we're out. So we're in a place called Borrego Springs, California. And it's very flat. It's very arid, desert-like. And we're out and we're shooting. And I got a big team with me and everything's great. You know, I'm, I'm a very organized guy, very organized producer. People like to hire me because I'm, I'm friendly and I'm professional and I get the job done. So we're out all night, come in, it's like, I want to say, you know, 1.32, in the morning. Everybody comes back in the big house that we had rented, you know, the RB, RB, uh, Airbnb, I'm sorry. And uh, so we're downloading all of the footage on the hard drive so we don't lose anything, right? And um, there's a big pool behind the house. And so we go outside, we're going to have a nightcap, right? And it's me and a couple of guys over here. There are about 12, 15, 17 people all around. And, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. So I raised my glass here. People are giving a toast, you know. And I raised my glass like this. And I see this glint, like a little flash of light in the glass. Now, I don't have a plastic cup. I have a glass glass, right? So my mind is saying, Oh, it must be the moon. You know, it's dark. And then I realized, wait a second, that's stupid. There's no moon. We chose this day to shoot because there'd be no light interference, right? right? So there's no moon. I went, that's stupid. And I bring down my glass and right behind, like 30 feet away and above the house, the house was a ranch south house. What 30 feet in the air is this... It was in a regular shape. The closest thing I can think of was it was like an egg shape. Okay? And it was a little shiny and there was this blue green kind of luminescence coming from it. And my mind, once again, I'm struggling to figure out what the hell this thing is, right? So I, ah, you know what it is. It's one of those mylar balloons, right? You know, you go to the hospital, you get one of those get well, you know, balloons, you take it up to the room. This is my mind. I'm like, oh, that's what it is. But wait a second. This thing is as big as a car. It's as big, and I've said it, I think I said it on your show. It was as big as a Volkswagen. Mm -hmm. And it was close enough. I tell you, it was close enough. I could have taken a baseball and hit it square. It was not that far away. So I went, in my mind, this all happened really quickly. I'm like, okay, so Glint, what the hell was that? Oh, my God. One of my camera guys, Scotty, he's right beside me. I grabbed him. I kind of spilled some stuff on it too i grabbed him i said look at this he went oh no everybody around us you know we have like 15 17 people they all turn around they're like oh wow holy crap this is fantastic what a and i am you know i'm gonna have to change my underclothes right mm -hmm. this thing moves so fast from a stationary position it's like a zip 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 and it ends up right above my head and it freezes there for just 
a second or so. I I feel this tremendous cold and like the floor drops out from underneath me. It zips away from me, stops a few feet away, and then it kind of drifts out over the desert. Like I said, we were in Borrego Springs, so it was very flat. And we stared at it for, I want to say, a minute and a half, two minutes, and we could just watch it. Everybody else is kind of saying, wow, that was so neat, and this is cool, and everything else. But what happened to me in those brief seconds was everything that had happened to me as a boy when I was seven fell on top of me, like just a crushed me. And I felt that same feeling of that floor slipping out from underneath me. And I thought I was going to die. I mean, I couldn't breathe. I felt really, really sick. So meanwhile, remember, I'm in a professional setting and none of these people know of this about me. So I'm trying to keep my shit together. And um, so I look around and everybody's ha ha ha. And so I take a sip and I make this kind of lame excuse like, well, you know, I, uh, you kids can play, but you know, adults got to go to sleep. I got paperwork in the morning, this sort of thing. And I set it down, and I go to my room in this big house, and I barricade that door. I push all of my luggage up against it. I push a piece of furniture, and I sat with my back to the inside wall, and I had one of the most horrible nights of my life. It was just this raw emotion that was tearing me apart. And so I'm fighting with this, you know, like, I'm like, why the, you know, it was never a, it was never one of these things that I, I didn't remember, but it was so many years ago that there was kind of this callous feeling It was back then, but everything was so fucking crystal clear to me. And so it was so raw. And, and so I'm struggling with this thing. So as I said to you, you know, people like to work with me because I'm very organized this starts to fall apart. My group of guys that have worked with me for years, they're starting to see, you know, daddy's slipping. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not on top of my game. So they're like, you know, looking at me a little cross-eyed, what's going on? And I am becoming furious with myself because I can't control myself. And I, I developed this, this tremendous fear of open sky, a tremendous fear of deep water. And I am so angry at myself. So I get through the shoot, and I, I, I'm able to get, I get back on the plane, you know, coming back home after like 10, 15 days out on the road. And I come back. Now my family, you know, they know me, but they don't know. And so I, they see there's something wrong with that. There's something wrong with their husband, you know, and I'm slipping. So this is a problem and I become furious, but I'm going to tell you something. I'm not really proud of this. What I would do is I would make sure that like, I would, I would wait till everybody else left the office. And I would run to my car or I would try to park it as close as I could to because I didn't want to be under the open sky. Hmm. I did. I, I had to have like, you know, feeling that I was, I was protected, which is ridiculous, but that's the way I felt. And, um, so what happened to me was, uh, I know it's a long story. I apologize. But what happened to me was I, I needed to find out 
I, I thought, okay, look, I, I can't beat this thing. It is killing me. It's killing me. I have to find out what the hell was this. You know, okay, I'm not a seven-year-old boy anymore. I'm a man. What the fuck happened? And so I started to read a bunch of stuff. I wanted to find out if other people had, you know, experiences like me. I wanted to find out if, you know, if they did, how they deal with it, right? It made sense to me that I could, you know, what do they say? You know, follow success. Well, that led to me starting to interview people and ask them if I could take, but it was all really, it was kind of like a side thing. It was uh, catharsis for me. It was healing for me. It wasn't supposed to be a movie. It wasn't supposed to be any of that crap. But that's how this all really kind of started. And yeah, so anyway, okay. there's a lot of boring details, but I mean, that's really what it is. Okay, so Carmen, your, your experience you learned under hypnosis. Um, go ahead and tell us, you know, if, you know, I know it's probably kind of hard to get in words and all that stuff but yeah go ahead and tell us what, what what you found out okay so i'm going to take you back to the overnight hours between august 18th and august 19th 1994. okay it's still extremely clear in my mind um i went to sleep that evening i was living with my boyfriend along with my two daughters and we lived in a duplex in a duplex community in Killeen, Texas. We were not very far from the army base there. And so um, I own, I think a Delta 88, a massive old car. And um, I was parked in the driveway and I, I'd gone to bed that night after locking my car and everything. And I got woke up in the middle of the night by bright flashing. If I remember distinctly, the bed was this way. The windows were on this side to the left of the bed. I was sleeping on the right. My boyfriend was sleeping on the left. And this is not a big home. It's a duplex, a tiny little duplex. Mm -hmm. the, the lights woke me up and just enough for me to look at the windows and it was so bright. I was like, oh, it's raining. I wonder if I rolled my windows up. And I fell back to sleep and I woke up again with the lights and I thought again, did I roll my windows up? And I looked at my boyfriend and he was sleeping as he usually did. Very relaxed, very comfortable. And I fell back asleep. I got awoken a third time by these bright lights. And I'm like, I don't hear any thunder. Did I roll up my windows? And I looked at him. Ooh, this kind of gives me the jitters. He was laying next to me, stiff as a board, on his back, which was not his natural sleeping position, with the covers tucked up perfectly across his neck and shoulders. And I thought to myself, well, that's weird, but I fell back asleep. And when I woke up the next morning, I thought, oh, we must have had a storm last night. I'm going to go and check if my windows were up. So I ran out front. And of course, you know, those old deltas had that crushed velvet stuff. So you don't want that wet. Right. And uh, sure enough, my windows were up. I came back inside and my very first instinct was to rip off all of my clothes and start looking at my body for marks. I mean, I, I searched my entire body as best I could looking for marks. I didn't find it. Still, that was even then at that time, I thought was strange. 
but I just kind of blew it off. Well, that day I was taking my daughters to the meetup point to drop them off for their father's visit, who, by the way, was a very nice man. We just married the wrong people, but we had a great relationship. And so I took the neighbor girl who lives on the other side of the duplex with me named Holly. And so Holly rode with me to, um, where were the Daggums Gate? Copper's Cove, Parker Heights, Waco. We went to Waco to uh, drop off the children at our meetup point, which was a McDonald's because my ex lived in Austin. So we get there. I dropped them off, and on the trip back, you know, Holly, I got her some McDonald's for going with me, and we were chatting, and I asked her, did you see that storm last night? And she goes, I saw bright flashing light, and I said, well, what else did you see? She said, oh, because we all have patios, and um, they weren't the kind that went beyond the house. They were surrounded by the walls of the house and sliding glass door. She said she was standing by the sliding glass door and she looked out on the patio and she saw Bigfoot with a little man. I'm like, what? And she said, that's what I saw. So I, we talked about it for a while and I didn't lead her on in any way because I still didn't know what had happened. And so when we got back, there were additional two other little children, all the kids played together, living in the next duplex over. And I asked them, did you guys see the storm last night? And they said, no, I got woke up by lights, and I think it was my uncle flipping the light switch on and off over and over again. I'm like, oh, okay, okay. So all three of us remembered seeing these bright flashes of light. Holly went further and swears she saw Bigfoot standing on her patio with a little guy. So at this point, I called I called uh, the airport at Killeen at the Army base and asked, were there storms in the area the previous night? They said, no, there were not. Okay, I called the Killeen airport and again asked for the storms. They confirmed that there were not. At this point, I didn't really say anything. I was talking to the children because they're way more open-minded and they're not going to judge you. So I started to get more curious about this. And because it was so into the forefront of my mind, I just couldn't let it go. And I scheduled an appointment with a psychiatrist that I knew did regressive hypnotherapy. And I went to his office and I asked him to please regress me to find out why my first response was to check the car and then to rip off all my clothes looking for Mark. So he did. Um, we went into his office and I sat in this very comfortable chair that reclined and he took me to the movie theater. And that's when um, he started taking me back to that night. And what had happened was just like I said, just like I knew about the flashes, only it became more detailed. It became more rich in detail. Um, I now knew through this 
I was cognizant, cognizant the entire time. Um, so now I'm back in the bed and Robert's laying in bed next to me and the lights did wake me up and they were very bright and they looked like lightning strikes just right outside your window. And I did go back to sleep. I woke up again and I saw him sleeping naturally. And then the third time I was awakened, when I saw him laying there stiff, what I did not realize is that his eyes were wide open and he was just staring at the ceiling. But I also had a sense that there was somebody in the room and I, I didn't see them because I didn't want to look. I don't think I couldn't move. I think I just was like not wanting to move. And the next thing that happened was that I felt complete weightlessness. weightlessness. I am looking at the hallway walls as I'm gliding past them and my mind is thinking, how in the hell can, how is this possible? And I can still, here is the feeling that you get. I fall off ladders a lot, <laughs> contractor, for whatever reason. I think that a six foot ladder is a three foot ladder sometimes and I just take two steps and I'm gone. Right. But for the very brief second, that just flash of a second, between coming off the ladder and hitting the ground, my first thought is, oh, I'm flying. <laughs> and then, bam! But that feeling of utter weightlessness before gravity does that body check, <laughs> that's that feeling. Okay. And I felt that, and it, it, it kind of blew my mind because I'm like, this is not possible. And I can see the walls going past me. I can see the bedroom doorway going past me from my daughter's room. And now I'm in the living room and I'm standing in front of the plate, the, the glass doors, the sliding glass doors, and I'm looking out on the patio and it's the patio, everything's there, but there beyond that patio, right at the edge of the patio, it is a complete wall of thick fog to where you can't see through it. You can't see anything. Just it, just the patio ends, and then there's that wall. Nothing else. And then my next memory is that I'm standing in the backyard, which only had one tree, one like not even a full-grown tree, and there are other people there. And we're not. I I didn't really. I didn't. I didn't really look at them. But I knew they were there, but I did kind of look over to my right, and there is a short person wearing silver overalls and a silver, a silver um, shirt and a little hat, a little hat. And I'm a full of full grown adult, you know, I'm, I'm 32 years old. Mm. So I'm not given to the imaginations of a child, but it must have been a way for my mind to interpret this. And so on the left breast of these little people is this emblem. Okay, what John, what Karma is showing us is a circle with uh, three lines crossed through it, 
forming kind of an a stylized X with a with a with the third bar going straight down. Right. That symbol has stayed with me every day since then. I look for it everywhere. Mm -hmm. So I I'm standing there and I, I see the little guy, and I say little. He was. I mean, I'm five six, so he came up to not quite my shoulder. I say he because I don't know what gender it was. I, mm -hmm. I don't know. So the next thing I know is I'm looking straight up and I almost can't keep my eyes open because it's so bright. I can see the branches and leaves from this little tree, but through the branches and leaves, there is this light and it is so bright. It is so ungodly bright. I don't hear anything. All I can see is this light, and it looks like it's coming through the bottom of a metal colander, like somebody took a 2,000 lumen light bulb and just put it in the bottom of a colander, and this light is coming through all those holes. Okay. And it's not really pulsating, but it's not completely steady. And I can hear the, the psychiatrist talking to me, and he's like, okay, what's happening now? And at that point, I just screamed, no, and jumped up out of that chair. And he's like, I, I started running. He's like, wait, wait, come back. I need to know what happened. And I'm like, uh, um, no. I threw money um, at his receptionist and just kept going. I never went back. He called me so many times trying to get me to come back. I wouldn't do it. That was as far as I could go with that. Now, of course, being the inquisitive person that I am, I did call the, the Army base again and ask them if they had any reported aerial phenomena that evening. Of course, they're not going to tell they did. Of course not. And I also talked to the, the Killing Airport again, and of course, that was negative too. I asked the girls again, and their, their story never changed. They were spot on with, I mean, they never varied or wavered. And if you know anything about children, when they tell you a story and it's even just a semi-fabrication, it'll change. These kids did not change their stories. Um, from that point forward, the relationship that I had with Robert deteriorated. He didn't want to hear anything about this. He wanted no part of it. He thought I was crazy. My children never saw or heard anything, and we eventually broke up. But nine months after, like almost to very close at time, I had my youngest daughter. And she is always, uh, she's the light of my life, but I always told her your father's an alien. <laughs> so, <laughs> and she, she actually took a DNA test. <laughs> she was only kind of curious enough. But so that was that was the experience that I had that I know about. However, years later, it was not unusual for me to see something in a night sky. Uh, one time I was driving from San Antonio to Austin and off to the left of the three or eighty five thirty five, excuse me. <clears throat> excuse me up in the sky was 
three lights that form the perfect triangle and they just come out with disclosing those stealth bombers mm-hmm. and i was like oh it's a stealth bomber i'm like wait they wouldn't why would they do that <laughs> so um i just kind of blew it off and kept going and then there were several incidents where um like ever since we've been talking about this i've been itching it's crazy but um I felt an itching on my upper inner part of my arm and I looked at it on it was a perfect round welt. I mean, it was raised perfectly. Like if I had gotten burned and, and it raised up from that burn and, and then a couple of other formed and I was like, what is this? If this is ringworm, it's the biggest ringworm I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, um, like I was getting creative with it. I was like researching on ringworms and what do you do about it? I actually painted those loops and there were several with, with clear nail polish. <laughs> the massive ringworm. <laughs> But it ended up happening on both sides of my inner arms. And um, I never did figure that mystery out. That happened a couple of times, maybe four or five times over the course of a couple months, and then it just stopped. And since that time, speed forward to a couple of years back, I'm living in, in South Carolina now, upstate South Carolina. My ex-boyfriend is one of my best friends. Kent's talked to him before. Mm-hmm. Um, he contracts a lot with me, or he did. And we, I make him stay out with me because I like to work until like three, four o'clock in the morning. I don't care. I just want to get the damn job done and get my money. So we were driving back from Spartanburg to Greenville, and there is a major corridor called Wade Hampton. We were driving down Wade Hampton, and it says it does have you know tiny little hills but from way back at the start over by the intersecting major highway at 85 we were coming down through a small town called Greer and we were up on a hilltop and then way 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 down the road you could see where the moon was at and it was like right it was just coming over I guess the horizon if you can say that in a city but by the time we had gotten, like, maybe another 10 miles down the road, the moon was up high, and we had lost time. I'm like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> so I was like, did, did we lose time? He said, I don't know. I'm like, look at the moon. He's going, like, that's weird. I'm like, yeah, I know. So uh, that happened not once, but several times with him. Um, we would just call it the vortex, just knowing that we were going to be together driving on some back road out in the country. We planned on losing hours. <laughs> it just became a thing. But neither of us ever remembered anything happening other than what, where did time go? What happened? You know? Mm-hmm. But um, since that time, that's pretty much all that's happened. And I have to say that I have developed a brand new interest with um the sky i have no reason for that but i just know that there's something going on Uh, and that's basically my entire story except that my daughter absolutely will not talk about any of these things she wants no part of any of it none of it um neither do my other children 
but this interest, this renewed interest has, um, and I, I want to tell you that I was fascinated, you know, way before this incident ever happened, I read Whitley Stryber and I had a subscription to a UFO magazine and I read up on it a lot. I did have a dream. I call it a vision because it was too strong to be a dream of standing on, I was at, in, I call it the white city. All the buildings were white. And I'm standing in line to see a movie and I look up and I'm, the sky's dark. I mean, it's like black, but there's something else that's even blacker as I look up and I'm like, what is that? And I keep looking and finally it drops and I'm like, oh shit. So we're all scattering them. I run down the road and I duck into somebody's house and now all these tiny little spacecraft airplane type things were under attack. This stuff is going down. And um, I'm hiding with these people in their den and this, I don't know what happened, how we ended up outside, but we did and this alien person who was very human looking just like a normal person, but that he had no hair and his hair, his head was kind of flat. And he got out of his little spacecraft thing and he stood in the driveway and I looked at him and I, my immediate thought was, I love you. And I love this person, whoever he is, that's, that's the love of my life. And I'm like, what? <laughs> so that was, um, that was, you know, one of those weird dreams or visions or whatever you have in life that you just never forget. And it wasn't two months later where I got my next subscription from that magazine. There was a bust of that guy in there. I'm like, oh, that's him. That's him. That's the guy I love. Like, oh, what is wrong with you? <laughs> so, um, that's you know, pretty much all that's happened. Okay. I'm loving my life. <laughs> Doesn't exist. So, okay, so you guys have had dreams, nightmares, whatever, because of the experience. Obviously, you both talked about that. This is prior. Prior? This is years prior. Oh, prior, yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you think that had anything to do with your experience then? No, it probably had everything in the world to do with reading Whitley Stryber and reading that magazine. Mm -hmm. But I can say that I didn't see that guy in a physical way. Until I got two months later, got that my subscription in from that magazine. Mm -hmm. So it was either a prophetic dream or a memory. Who the hell knows? Okay. Now so, you yeah. you said that now John, you said your dad wanted nothing to do with it. Carmen, you said your your daughters and they didn't want anything to do with it either. Um, do you think they've had experiences as well? Then maybe. I can tell you, my oldest daughter, when she was three years old would tell me and keep in mind when my experience happened they were um 10 or 11 and 12. Uh, when she was three years old she would tell me about her other family that was not from here and i asked her where they're from and she would just point out okay how about and you john she said she wanted to go back home mm -hmm. okay how about you john <laughs> um as i said my initial memories were from when I was seven years old, by the time I was nine, my parents had broken up. Mm -hmm. um, 
I noticed, I obviously all this was six. I noticed that there was a lot of turmoil in the house after that. And um, there was some uh, abusive alcohol, things like that. And my parents, they, uh, they definitely married the wrong people, I guess. I don't know. But they fought a lot and then they uh, they broke up. So I, I can't tell you. They're both, they're both past now. Mm-hmm. So uh, I wish I could answer that better for you. But I, I can't help but feel that something had happened and it had affected them. You know, my mother's reaction to my shoulder when she first saw it. My dad's, you know, overt aggressiveness, you know. Um, so I, I, I can't answer that truthfully. That's why I can answer it truthfully. I don't know. Right. Right. Yeah. Fair enough to say. Um, I'm still here, but... You got anything you want to ask? Any? No, you pretty much covered it with all the questions you... Okay, well, if you got a question, feel free to ask. I'm listening. I'm finding <laughs> Adri is here. I am still... I'm here. I'm quiet because I'm listening. I don't want to miss anything. I am paying attention, everybody, just so you know. <laughs> okay, so... Oh, my Carmen, I just want to tell you that... Uh, Whitley is featured in our film. If so, if you like Mr. Streber, you'd be able to see him there. I like him, but I absolutely adored Eric Von Donegan. Oh, uh, he's a very uh, funny. Him. He's a very funny guy, actually. And he only has one blue, one blue, one blue jacket. Uh, just one blue jacket. And uh, yeah. but uh, yeah, he's he's Swiss, and so I can speak. You know, Swiss people speak English, French, and German. I speak German with him. Awesome. Yeah, what a wonderful, insightful person. Yeah. Uh, for, they imparted so much. He asked a pertinent question. Sure, sure. When he made that comment, if there is only, I, let's see, if there's only one God able to be omnipotent in all places at all times, and I forgot the rest, but I, I researched the children, the Reader's Digest Children's Bible. And this was part of a speech I did in college. And I chose to talk about aliens. Um, uh, quoting from the Reader's Digest Children's Bible, it says, let us, us not let man eat from the tree of knowledge so that they will not know what we know. And that started me on going through the whole Bible. Sure. Sure. So that, that, it was because of Von Donnegan that I began to question things. I understand. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let me think here. Um, when you had your abduction experiences, do you recall seeing anyone else that you saw later on? And I know you talked about the, the the man you fell in love with, Karma, but I mean, I mean, oh. I mean, people that you've spoken to, have you had the the realization like I know this person, they were with me? No, I've not had that. I've never had that experience. Um, the people that were standing in that circle must have been neighbors. Okay. And I didn't see the children, but they must have been there because they shared in part that they had also experienced part of my experience. Um, I never asked them if they had been in the backyard or anything. I thought that if they knew that they had been, that they would have told me. 
And if they had, did not know that they had them, then who am I to open that memory for them? Mm-hmm. They're not my children. I can't console them if this is something that just blows their little mind. That would be completely wrong. Mm-hmm. Just to satisfy my own curiosity. Okay. And you, John? So. No, I, my, well, first of all, first of all, it wasn't Ultraman who took me. So <laughs> uh, that's one of the things that's kind of revealed in the film. It was a a screen memory, you know, to kind of protect my seven-year-old mind. Uh, The the kind of entity that literally took me was more insectoid. It was like an ant. And uh, they took me underground. And there was another type of entity there, uh, sort of a hooded gray but not like a typical gray, not like a Whitley Strieber gray, uh, more, uh, more darker, darker skin, uh, elongated faces. Um, and it was, uh, so to answer your, I'm sorry, I'm going to talk too much. To answer your question, no, there were no other people there okay. that I saw later. Okay. Um, now, Jeremiah, I know you're into new age stuff and things like that. Um, have, you see that like it's a bad thing. Well, no, no, no. It's, it's actually <laughs> it's sorry. a pertinent question here. Now, um, have you had a long-standing interest in New Age practices and beliefs? Uh, you know, like reincarnation, astral projection, things like that. Yes. Okay. Because when I was nine, I had a dream where I saw how I died in a previous life. Mm-hmm. Do you have this detail? during this dream, I mean, absolute detail, it it would not have been normal. I I was not exposed to those kind of things. I died in a carriage accident by going over the side of, I guess, a crevasse or something. And I knew that. And when I woke up, I knew that's how I died. Okay. Uh, How about you, Johnny? Anything like that? Uh, No, I I, I really didn't have any kind of... uh an interest or I, I was a very left brain kind of guy, mm-hmm. you know, I'm a, you know, a, went to university and studied finance, right. uh, you know, got out and was working in, you know, production where numbers and figures and straight lines are very important. Yeah, I feel very comfortable with that one. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I can tell you is that after, you know, during this, you know, discovery for the film, I became obsessed to find answers. The processing of commercial information is complete. Back to the show. Okay, so, John, I did one, this goes along the lines of what you were just talking about. Um, I have postulated a theory that shadow people, cryptids, ghosts, aliens, all of them are the same creature, just in different forms. And this particular thing is able to cross the barrier you were talking about and present itself to us in whatever form that would either scare us or we would accept the most. What do you think about that? I think that's a brilliant theory. Uh, I think you're brilliant. Um, 
you know, it reminds me, uh, it reminds me a little bit of, you know, that funny little thing they say, you know, where you send in these really great scientists into this completely black room and you say, tell us what's in there. And one guy shouts out, it's a spear. Somebody says, no, 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 it's a whip. Somebody says, no, no, what are you guys crazy? This is a boulder. They turn on the light and it's an elephant. The tail was the whip, the spear was the tusk, and the, you know, the gigantic body is a boulder. You know, we are, we have this egocentric idea that we know everything. You know, we're the smartest thing on the planet. You know, we have guns and we have machines. Yeah, okay. But really, we're a speck on a speck on a speck on a speck. And we're limited by our dependence upon our five senses. And so we, what we do is we capture pieces of whatever this is, and we identify it however we identify it. So the fact that this is all of those creatures, all those cryptids, whatever, makes perfect sense to me. It's the elephant all over it. You know what I mean? Right. And also, right. something else that you touched on, I think it's fascinating, Carmen. You know, you said something about how it presents itself to us, either to scare us or to... Uh, engender itself to us or whatever. Think about this. How many animals do you know that when you approach them and if you threaten them, they become bigger and scarier to scare you off? You know, right. think about a cat arching its back. Or think about, you know, even a peacock flying its, you know, feathers, you know, a bear, you know, standing upon its feet. Yeah, you know, I think this is one of those things where this consciousness reflects a part of its aspect is to reflect what we are so if we push out fear it reflects that fear if we push out that love that heart light i was saying i don't mean to be too mushy about this curiosity yeah yeah then it pushes it out it reflects it and if you think about this this is this is to me you know, I think I read too damn much. It may be crazy. <laughs> I, I, I started thinking about this stuff. Think about communication. How about rudimentary communication? Okay, so the three of us, we walk into a zoo, right? And we pass by this raccoon pit. And all the raccoons are fooling around and we're laughing about it. This one raccoon comes over to the glass and looks. And Ken says, you know, kind of does this thing with his hat. And, and, and the raccoon does it. And he says, oh, God, you got to see this, this crazy raccoon. I come over and I wave. And the raccoon waves. Holy crap. Carmen comes over and says, hmm. And it does this. And then we all kind of look at each other and say, this is an amazing little animal, right? And then the raccoon stops, stares at all three of us, crosses its arms, and says like this. Holy shit. What just happened? It's changed from replicating our activities to communicating with us on a different level. And this is why I think, you know, when people talk about certain people are magnets for this stuff, we are the raccoons that have folded our arms and said, hmm. And this consciousness goes, oh my God, they're awake. They want to communicate. Let's participate. Let's see how far this can go. And so this communication then develops into some sort of telepathy. So if I image this to you, what is your reaction? And this is an evolving sort of relationship.
that's not to say that there isn't good and evil or angry or sad or whatever. They're all in there. They're the mix, you know. As many people as there are on the earth, you know, that's how many opinions you'll have. Or that's how many emotions you'll have. So if we take the idea that, you know, all of these things exist on one planet, so in the universe, if we think of life as prolific, then we're going to have all of those things, you know. But I, I, I'm sorry I keep referencing this film. I apologize. But this is one of the things that I say about how people somehow, you know, they, they plant their flag. This is what it is. You know, no, it's the reptoids. No, it's the graves. You know, or, what, or this is the galactic bay. They're fighting. Okay, how do you know this? Okay, you might know this much of it, but you don't know everything. You can't. You're not in every one of these planning meetings. They're not, say, by the way, we better call John in because, you know, he's our, come on, get the hell out of here. Nobody's calling me for those meetings. Nobody's calling me. <laughs> they give a shit what I say. So... <laughs> So you know what I mean? But we can we can be those scientists. Now the key to that is this, and this is where we fall short. Those scientists, when the light is turned on, they recognize their limitations and they realize that the science is about less of an opinion or less of a conclusion than really the pursuit of evidence. There's more and more information because when people settle themselves, then they can't learn anything anymore, you know, because they have all the damn answers, right? So right. what I become is this sponge that says, okay, look, let's bring it all in and let's bring more in and let's bring more in. Look, some of this stuff will be misguided. You know what? That wasn't a whip. In the dark room, it was a tale. Okay, but we can learn things about their qualities to this, and there's there are these benchmarks, like I said, and so we can make decisions based on that. But when we become so egocentric that we know everything, then this is what stalemates us. When I say I believe in the science, I follow the science. I hate that term, but when you do. What it should mean is, is that you're following the evidence. Let's follow the evidence. But let's say this. Everything discovered was a mystery before it was ever discovered. Agreed. So yeah, totally agreed. Yeah. You know the, mm -hmm. There's absolutely no way to know all the answers because every agreed. discovery to another mystery. Right. 100%. And, and speaking of the scientific method, I actually have a question for you. Um, some researchers uh, hint that at least 23% of the population experience or are prone to lucid dreaming. Um, in your opinion, would you say that the adduction experience could be lucid dreaming? Okay, and my theory about this is mm -hmm. that unless we are able to contour our bodies to mark ourselves in strange and unusual places with mm -hmm. strange and unusual symbolic or uh, just flat-out bruises and injuries, yeah. then this is happening. Now, the mind has a lot of control over the physical body. Oh, yes, the mind Ask can manipulate. Ask to tell you the same thing. They, they can, up to a point, cure themselves. Mm -hmm. So we do have more control over our bodies than we think. But this is not lucid dreaming. This is actually physically happening. Mm -hmm. And your opinion, John? Well, I would say to you, ball lightning. 
Okay. 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 So, for example, there is ball lightning. It's a scientific fact. It occurs. So, is all ball lightning the only lightning there is? No, of course not. There's great big lightning in the sky. <laughs> so, is there lucid dreaming? You bet your bottom dollar there is. But does that account for the millions of people who have? Yeah. No, it can't possibly. No. Yeah. Well, especially like I said, you're only talking about twenty three percent of the population. Yeah. Anyway, so. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, twenty three. Well, okay. So what do you have? Seventy seven. But that's what I'm saying. It's a very right? small number. Yeah. And it, probably it, not as much it, as everybody else yeah. who's experiencing this. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. So I, I, I just think that yes, of course, lucid dreaming happens. Yes, of course, people have mistaken it. Just like that scientist mistook that tail for a whip. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that every time you grab a tail, it's not a whip. You know what I mean? It, it, it could be a whip because you're not holding it on. It's a different thing. Right. That's all I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Now, um, along with the, the UFO experience, a lot of people afterwards have paranormal experiences too. Yeah. Um, Karma, I know you've got all sorts of paranormal experiences going on. We've <laughs> talked at length on this <laughs> stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, Lightning. When would would you say that happened right after your experience or before? No, that happened from the time I was two to three years old when I woke up. And I told you the story about mm-hmm. waking up and seeing in my little tiny mind, seeing Wendy laying next to me in the bed. Okay. And yeah. Wendy mm-hmm. was my size, wearing that same one-piece jumpsuit with the little pointy hood. Mm-hmm. So that was my very first experience. Right. And I have great recall. I can tell you that house from top to bottom. I can tell you this, what the yard looked like, what the street looked like, all of it. Mm-hmm. So when I tell you I remember this, I remember it. So in your case, you've always been prone to paranormal experiences. Now, what about you, John? Yeah. And, yeah. Um, I did not know that I was um, being so left brained, you know, you kind of ignore things. Mm-hmm. You, you just take the things that make sense. To you. I'll give you a silly example. I, I, I've been driving, I've been going to the same office for 12 years. right? And so um, a couple of years ago, I'm, I'm driving home and my dear wife calls me and says, hey, I need to pick up something at the store. And we're talking a bit and I'm at a stop sign and I see this, um, billboard and it's a stupid billboard and I, i'm i'm annoyed by it because it's so stupid and i'm complaining <laughs> on the phone about this annoying damn billboard and my wife and i said you know who the hell put this thing up and she said honey that's been there for eight years <laughs> i am an anal retent i'm i've just recently stopped adjusting other people's silverware so that's that's how annoying i'm right? <laughs> so I, I, let me tell you something there's no fucking way that that billboard was there for eight years. No fucking way. Okay, but my wife says to me, listen, she grew up in this neighborhood, so she knows, so listen to this. Think about this. I've worked six, seven days a week for 12 years. I stop at that stop sign twice a day, and I have never seen that fucking thing. That's insane. So what I want to say to you is there was all kinds of stuff that was happening to me, but I was such a fathead that I never realized. So now that, and so I think that a lot of people experience things, but they just don't see them or they're not experiencing them or they're not acknowledging them. What I think, 
Yeah, what I think is is that when you when these things happen to you, you know, and you have this kind of abduction or this massive sighting or whatever, it shakes your tree so much that you go, "Oh shit." And you start to look at things through that lens as opposed to nothing. This this whole thing with the Senate, you know, and they're talking about hearings and stuff like this. Stop and think about this. Stop and think about this. For years, people said UFOs and this and this. Ah, you're an idiot. You're a moron. You wear a tinfoil hat. Okay. Then we get to a certain point where people are like, you know, mathematically, I guess it could matter. But, you know, what does it have to do with my life, right? Now we're at this point where the Senate and the governments of the world say, guys, listen, we don't even know what the hell this is, and we're going to look at it. So they've given us, quote, unquote, permission to talk about it. So watch this. The normal cat is walking around, uh, I'll say a stockbroker. Yeah, what the hell does this have to do? And then you say, wait, but the Senate is, what the hell are they looking at? For the first time in their lives, the first time, they seriously consider it. And something happens. You know, if you, I love this. I have not seen any convincing evidence of, well, you Number one, you have to open your eyes. And number two, you have to look in their same direction, right? So the first time in their lives, they're actually seeing things. And now they're going, oh, shit, that's been there? The billboard's been there the whole time? Mm-hmm. How can this be? I'm a smart person. and I'm observant. No, you're a moron. And you see this much. And not only do your five senses limit you, your mind, your consciousness limits you. You immediately say no, as opposed to saying, what is this? Yeah. Yeah. That's why the world is changing, by the way. Mm-hmm. Well, they've only taken 70 years to bring us up to speed. We're a little slow. We've We're only been slow. talking about it for 70 years. And now they're just slowly bringing us forward to the point where now they're forming a task force to look into this, as well as deciding, hey, this may not be good for Earth. Uh, well, I, I, and I think that's a bunch of bullshit, too. I, I, you know, I think, you know, they say, listen, we've never studied this at all. But by the way, here's 1,500 pages of things that we've not been studying. Blackout. <laughs> <Right. laughs> all the redacted documents, yeah. yeah. Shut up. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Freedom of information. Anyway, yeah. Just, Tracy. Yeah. Well, Tracy's here with us now? I'm only here, I'm only here for a minute. Okay. I we're Family lunch was great. No one said anything about any UFO. Well, mom did. Mommy had a UFO encounter. You trying to remember? But I had to hop off again because I'm not home anytime soon yet. I'll be there as soon as I can come back in. It's mom's story. Uh, early in the morning, I was on my way to work, and I forgot something, so I turned around and went back home. And as I went back home, I in the sky, there were like two really bright things and I, I looked at them there were no contrails and I thought no contrails and they're heading they were heading like north uh, south east and I didn't hear anything they were just there I had to get what I needed I went into my house came back out and looked up they were still there and I had to drive away and head for work but I honestly don't I didn't see a contrail so I did a thing and it was just really bright in the sky. I couldn't tell you 
any more than that because it was like this is at least 10 years ago that I saw it. But that, you know, I I have no idea what it was. Thanks, Mom. Very sure. Okay. So I'm going to hop off again because we have to get five obviously more things done. I will hopefully come back in. If I miss you all, I love you all. Thank you for coming. Thank you, Tracy. And okay, I was so terrible, and it's just allergies because I'm allergic to the world. <laughs> okay. Delia. Have fun. Okay. Hopefully I'll be back soon. <laughs> bye. Bye-bye, Tracy. Bye, baby. Bye, Mom. And I was yeah, I'm sorry to manipulate it or, or, or uh, take over the conversation. I just want to say, Tracy, whom I do not know, she reminds me so much of somebody in the film named Ruth. I mean, they could be, I don't want to say twins, but they could be sisters. Hmm. Her name is Ruth. You see her, you see her in the, uh, the, uh, the uh, trailer. She's the one, uh, you know, rubbing her hands together. And she said, I didn't want anything to do with this. If you take a look at Tracy and you take her glasses off, she is a spitting image of this woman. Hmm. So yeah. weird to me. I'm sorry. Well, now I have to watch the film. Yeah, <laughs> wow. yeah Tracy's in it. You didn't know that, did you? <laughs> well, rest assured, I will be watching it probably tonight if I can. Oh, so. I hope so. I would love to know what you guys think, oh. honestly. Oh, I'm happy uh, to give you my opinion. Yeah, I, I would I would really, really, and you know, I, I, I'm going to be making several of these, so I want to make them better every time. So, mm -hmm. you know, I, I would appreciate it. Yeah. Whatever you have to well, say. Definitely, Thank you. definitely give you some input. So getting back, getting back to our conversation. Um, yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. Um, do you believe that you were given a, a purpose after your experience? You know, you maybe some maybe you started doing something that you uh, hadn't done before. Purpose after my experience? No. Okay. Uh, the only thing that happened is I became completely fascinated with um, looking into this phenomenon. Okay. And it didn't last forever, but it, it, it's always kind of been there on, on the back burner. Mm -hmm. well, Other things happened that held my fascination more. Right, right. And you, John? I, uh, I have to say to you that I have always eschewed any kind of mission, uh, you know, I hear all these people, oh, no, it's my mission to do this or this. I don't get into that kind of crap. Um, just because I, you know, I start every conversation in the idea that I'm a nobody, I'm the last kid, I'm a little retarded kid in the back room. So I, I, I don't have any kind of interest in that or, or desire for that, but I do have an observation. You know, the world is quickening. You know, I think Art Bell used to say that, the quickening. Mm -hmm. And we're moving towards this realization that there is an other. And I'm not talking about the three of us or Tracy. I'm talking about the world. You know, all of a sudden, it's like I said, they've given us permission to talk about it. And this thing is going to bleed into all parts of our life. And if all these things are true, then we're going to have this eureka moment, right? Now, I think there are three types of people in the world. I think there are those, like I said, you know, the stockbrokers who are just like this. Then there are people who say, you know, mathematically I understand it, but what's it have to do with my life? And then there are people like us who go, 
hey, listen, there's some crazy shit going on. Let's talk about it. Let's go work it out. Okay, when this all becomes something, when there is no more doubt, you know, like uh, those are the signs, you got craft everywhere, you got interaction. Okay, these three types of people are still going to exist. Now, the first guys who are always into their stuff are going to look up for the first time and go, this, I don't, I don't have anything in my life to hold on to that makes sense of this, and I am drowning. The second kind of people who are going to go, what's this have to do with my life? They're going to go, holy shit, this has everything to do with my life. What do I do? How do I do it? So people like yourselves, you know, Carmen, you said, you know, uh, you became fascinated by it. Here it is. All of a sudden, overnight, you become a resource. Because we're the cats who are like, I've been fucking telling you this for how long? We told you. (laughs) We told you. And so guess what? People who have rejected you, people who have uh, told you you're crazy or where's your tinfoil hat, all of a sudden now go, hey, you remember that lady? You remember my aunt? You remember my sister? You remember my friend, my brother who has a you know podcast? We're going to get him on the phone. What does this mean? And I think that's the mission. I think that's the purpose. I think that's what we're here to do, even if it's passive. You know, it's not our job to be apostles for this. But no, but it's, listen, when all this shit goes down, people are going to look at people who talk about it. And they're going to say, hey, what does this mean? And we're going to have to go, okay, listen, calm down. <laughs> calm down. And let's have a real conversation, you know? So, now, do you either one of you believe, though, that you do have a higher, that there was a higher meaning to your abduction experience? Let me just say this. If it's true that only 23% of people have experienced or are experiencing this, then we're chosen for a reason. Mm-hmm. What that reason is right now remains a mystery. But somebody's got to get the other 77% through this, Okay. There's going to be, once contact is actually made and acknowledged, there are going to be mass suicide. People are going to panic. Uh, The world as we know it will cease to exist because now for the first time, we are finding that we being the apex persona on the face of the earth are so very apex after all. Now we're dealing with people who have so far lapped us, their technology is so far beyond our concept that they were able to travel from wherever they came from, be that, you know, there's people who believe in that, that altered dimension, interdimensional things. Either way, they're way ahead of us. Mm-hmm. If they wanted to hurt us, there wouldn't be a damn thing we could do to stop them. I think that they, if they did want to hurt us, they would have already done it. Okay, they're not waiting for a mass invasion, but what's going to happen is there's going to be a massive panic. And in my thinking, that we've been people have been trying to prepare us for this since the movie ET came out, or uh, uh, what is it? Something of the third time, yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. We the mass media have been preparing us for an event for a very long time. And they've done it so slowly and so carefully that it's already ingrained in those people that are the left brain thinkers or the right brain thinkers that take safety in statistical fact. Right. So they can't say they weren't warned because you've been warned. 
they've been trying to show you for decades mm-hmm. this could happen so now it's probably going to happen so now in this case then you're talking about movies like et close encounter stuff like that that actually changed the viewpoint of encounters uh, it used to be the old movies, if, if there was an alien encounter, they wanted to destroy the world, they wanted to abduct humanity, they wanted, you know, they wanted to, to subjugate us in some way, shape, or form, and then suddenly it's turned on its head. All right, well, there's Independence no. Day, too, so you get both ends of the spectrum. You get both, but mostly mostly the, the, whole, the whole zeitgeist changed at that point. Right, um, right. Now we've become aware that, hey... I mean, it causes you to think, and that's what a good movie should do. Mm-hmm. You should walk out of that theater and think, whoa, I mean, whoa, that touched me in, in a personal way, where now I'm thinking, yeah, it's entertainment, but what if? Mm-hmm. What if? And that's what it's supposed to do. That's what entertainment is supposed to do. It enlightens, it entertains, and it provokes thought. But in this case, we have been exposed for multiple decades. And you keep nodding, John. So, sounds like uh, you agree. <laughs> People yeah, I mean, uh, John knows what I'm talking about. That's that's what he's doing with his movie, too, is exposing people to even more truth. Mm-hmm. Some people want that truth, and other people don't want any part of it. They think it's all a bunch of fantasy and fallacy and, and, and the product of disjointed thinking and unclear minds. Right. But it, it every every single uh, shall we shall we say legend has a grain of truth. Mm-hmm. So it's whether you believe or not. It, in the end, won't matter if it's happening. It's happening. You don't have to believe in it, but it's going to believe in you in a big way. Right. And you're going to need those people who understood always that this was going to happen mm-hmm. to help you through if you choose to make it through. Right. A lot of people won't be able to handle it. They don't want any part of it. Mm-hmm. But and that's always been the, the problem with the governments. They've always been afraid of something like that happening because people panic. Right. But that's why there are people like you who have the experience. Um, I'm, I'm sure you believe it, and I'm going to say it. You think it's important that others understand what happened to you in your experience, right? Right. I was not harmed in any way. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I couldn't find a mark on my body anywhere. And I came out of that experience like, woohoo, finally something happened. <laughs> but, um, you know, there's other people who view it from a point where it's terrifying because this should not be happening and it can't be real. And now I've lost my mind. Mm-hmm. Other people that have open minds and, and think, hey, it, you know, it's possible. I believe it. It's my experience. And, you know, you can call me crazy, but it doesn't change what happened. Right. Totally, totally spot on on that, I would say. How about you, John? Uh, I couldn't say it better. Mm-hmm. Absolutely perfect. Okay, well, I think now is probably a good time to wrap this up. Um, Karma, John, it's been great having you on. As, you know, Karma, you as always. <laughs> and John, I love being on here. Like, like I said, um, it's, always fun when it's great does. having you on. And again, if you want, if you've got anything going on, you want to talk about, let me know. We'll get you on the show. <laughs> Big smiles from John. Um, <laughs> before we go, though, 
if somebody wants to contact you and talk, you know, if you're willing to talk to them, how would they go about doing it? Huh? Oh, me? I'm yeah. all over Facebook. <laughs> how about you, John? Um, you, you can you can reach me on Facebook or Twitter. Uh, also, my company's uh, website is rhinopictures.com, which is R Y N O pictures, all one word, dot com. Uh, be happy to talk to anybody. Mm-hmm. And, and would you like to uh, promote the movie real quick again? Sure, sure, sure. Um, our film, Alien Abduction Answers, was released in North America on May 3rd. Um, so it's accessible anywhere in North America. Uh, it's on iTunes, it's on Amazon Prime, it's on Google Play, it's on Kino Now, it's on Voodoo, it's on uh, Video On Demand, it's on YouTube. So, um, you know, if you, if you want to see it, it's it's available for sure. Mm-hmm. And I just say this, uh, you know, if, if you do see it, and, and it does give you, making the film gave me a measure of peace. And I, I hope people who watch it can have some peace too. And so uh, if it moves you, I would love you, please leave a leave a, uh, a review on the platform that you watch it, you know, so other people understand, you know, what it did for you. Thank you. Okay, great. All right. Well, once again, pleasure to have you on. Hope to have you on again sometime in the future. Yes, sir. You as well, Karma, as always. Pleasure having you on. Oh, we definitely and have we look forward to yeah. seeing you in the future because I know we will. <laughs> we, we know. Uh, yeah, we're going back to the movie theater, brother. Yeah, yeah, yes, we are. are. Yeah, John, in case you didn't know earlier, uh, one of our previous episodes, we actually did a seance with Karma, and it was a lot of fun. We had all sorts of strange things going on. It was great. <laughs> well, I, I'll tell you, you guys, I, I ought to put you in contact. There is a group from Warsaw that has a restaurant that they have enormous activity all of this manifestation of stuff flying out of the sky landing over the place money ginger, all kinds of stuff you mm-hmm. guys I, I gotta you guys gotta get married i'm telling you <laughs> I'll, I'll i'll put you together you can do some magic with them awesome okay well once again appreciate you, you coming everything. on yeah Love thanks you. a lot it's been great having you on Thank you. john it was wonderful talking you too to you. Thank Bye, you Mama. Bye, John. To all of you. Blessings. Thank you again. Bye. That was pretty good fun, I thought. What'd you think? Highly enjoyable. It's yeah. always enjoyable. Oh yeah, John's great. We had talk fun. Every time John comes on, we mm-hmm. had fun. Every time Karma comes on, we had Karma on quite a few times. Mm-hmm. So I love it. She's so much fun, and she's so informative, and. I love to pick her brain. And John, I mean, he's great to talk to you, like you said, and he's got a lot of information. Um, if you haven't checked it out yet, check out his movie, Alien Abduction Answers. We're um, going to be buying or renting it tonight. We will be checking it out for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and we hope that you guys, our listeners, do as well. And and like and do as he asks if, after you watch it to review it and take leave your it, take on it. To, leave a comment on your streaming service. Or yeah. If you want to, you know, you could even send a comment to us if you want. We'll make sure it gets along to John. Definitely. Um, but this is it. This is our wrap up for the season. Season two is done. We're going to take a week off next week. Week 
one to two weeks off. And then, okay, one to two weeks off. We'll keep you posted when we and uh, let you know when we come back, and hopefully we will be coming back with karma. Maybe. You mean the person, or literally with karma? Both. No, that would be nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> she, you called her good karma. Yes, so. yes, I did for good reason. <laughs> but anyway. Well, Adri's trying to uh, give you spoilers for what's going on oh, next season. Oh, we're not talking about what's going on. We just hopefully she'll come back on again. You're talking spoilers. You no, know I didn't say much. We just said we we're trying to get her to come you back You like on. to jump ahead. You always do. Uh, and you're a stick in the mud. What's your point? That's how it works. Anyway, <laughs> folks, we hope you have a good night. and We hope that you have enjoyed our last two seasons of this podcast. And hopefully you're looking forward to season number three. When it starts. Yes, when it starts, <laughs> we look forward to you listening. You were too easy to mess with, dear. I love you. <laughs> I love you too, Goober. <laughs> anyway. And with that. With that, as I used to say, if there's something out in the skies, you don't know what it is, but it comes down to say hi, you might just go out and scream, what in the? Meanwhile, stay spooky and, and hear the, the gremlin. What in the Podcast is a part of the What in the Podcast Network and is available on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and other great podcast formats. You can find us on Facebook at the What in the Podcast Facebook group. If you have a great story idea or have a personal paranormal event that you want to share with us, email us at whatinthepodcast at gmail.com with your story, or you can leave us a voice message by clicking the link in the episode description. If you like what you're hearing, please don't forget to leave us a review and rate us five stars. It doesn't seem like much, but it helps us more than you can imagine. What in the Podcast is also made possible thanks to our sponsors and listeners like you. Thanks for listening.